Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, someday my prince will come, but I'll be out. We talk fairy tales, hair, and witches with Ella McLeod and her new book, Rapunzella or Don't Touch My Hair. Plus, Biz has a birthday! Woohoo! Hey, Biz! This is hey. Second, and you're right, I am doing a great job. You know, I'm so fortunate to have a flexible job, as will be evident by what I'm about to tell you, which is, I was on time to work today! Ah! Exciting! I wanted to be early, and then my partner, who usually takes out the trash, he didn't have time to take out the trash, so he said, can you take out the trash? And I said, yes, I can! So I did! And then I noticed, after pulling out of the driveway and onto the street, that we had received a package. And I, was, I had enough time. I got out of the car, went and got the package, took it in the house, and then I was still on time! <laughs> such an accomplishment <laughs> for me. Because uh, I am perpetually late, and boy, I tell you, after having the children, it is even more so. But not today, my friend. I was on time, and I have a meeting that I'm on the way to right now that I'm also going to be on time for. Yeah! So, I'm doing a great job. You are also doing a great job, and I so appreciate the show. And I just want to say, you don't need me to tell you how to do your job, but I'm just going to say that a couple weeks ago, you had a you played a rerun, and let me tell you that was delightful. That was a nice little surprise, and I know you're going through some stuff with your family, your mom, and everything. So again, you don't need my permission, but I'm just gonna say that if you need to do reruns some more, I loved it. I don't know what other people thought, but I loved it. So you're awesome, Biz. You're doing a great job. I so appreciate you and the show and Gabe and everybody who makes it happen. Uh, and oh my gosh, it was so fun to hear from Teresa the other week. Oh, I could just go on and on. Anywho, hope you're having a great day today. Again, I just, I just can't thank you enough for the show. So with that, I'll say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, friend. Oh my God, you're doing such a good job. You did it. You did a thing. You got to work on time and a meeting on time. And I also really like the window into your uh, home life of, I'm running late. Can you take the trash out? Yes, I can. Right? Like, because that in itself is also a little miracle moment because, you know, if you've got a partner in your house, everybody's just running around. Everybody kind of relies on the normalcy of who does what when they do it. And so, to be able to say yes to help your partner sometimes, I know it's so silly, but like, it does feel good when we can say, yeah, I got it, and it's all good. And I appreciate that you enjoyed the rerun. That is actually very freeing to me. And I appreciate you giving Gabe a shout out because Gabe is like the spiral binder to the binder, whatever. I don't know. I have been thinking about spiral notebooks recently and how I used to use a machine that put the spirals in the binders. Anyway, Gabe's very important. And so I'm very glad <laughs> that you shot it at Gabe. Gabe is sitting here currently with Buggy, their new dog, in their lap, who is so cute. Gabe, why don't we have a picture up of Buggy yet? Can we please send me a picture? Thank you. Gabe, I just want you to know that our Gabe's and my professional relationship has hit the ultimate work relationship. And I have been sent a photo of Gabe that he was meaning to send to someone else. Next level, Gabe, you and me. <laughs> Guys, it's my birthday. It's my birthday. La, 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 la. You know I'm doing a good job if I'm excited about my birthday. You also know that that sort of energy level means I'm not recording this in the middle of the night. And I've crammed the grief of my mother's process of dying down deep, 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 deep. So I'm hyped right now. So let's like a little diamond we're making down there. 
little grief diamond. So I woke up. My kids gave me presents. They were very thoughtful. I'll talk more about that in the genius. And I'm about to take, this is very delightful, just to show you that my mom is still doing well enough, is that that she and my father have asked if for my birthday, to celebrate my birthday, if they could take me and Stefan out for Mexican food for lunch and to have Stefan be there so that he could drive them home because they want to have margaritas. And we're like, hell yeah, pew pew, have your margaritas and then sleep for the rest of the day. When all the, we've enrolled my mom in a hospice. And so, you know, it's a lot of asking the same sort of questions. But currently the answer to the question, do you drink, has become no, but I'm picking it up. So there you go. That's, (laughs) and that is where we are. So with all that said, I am really looking forward to welcoming back Ellen McLeod to talk about her new book, Rapunzella, or Don't Touch My Hair. So stick around for the most delightful of conversations. Guys, there's even a ghost in it, not in the book, but in our conversation. Hey, it's John Moe, inviting you to listen to Depression Mode with John Moe, where I talk about mental health and the lives we live with all kinds of people, famous writers. David Sedaris, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Movie stars. Jamie Lee Curtis, welcome to Depression Mode. I am happy to be here. Musicians. I am in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm talking to Amy Mann. Great to talk to you. And song exploders. Rishikesh Hirway, welcome to Depression Mode. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone's opening up on Depression Mode on Maximum Fun. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, I am welcoming back, like, right away, Ella McLeod, who was just on the show a couple of weeks ago. She is a podcast producer, performer, and fiction writer based in London. She is currently producing Sony's chart-topping UK podcast, Exactly, with Florence Given, and her debut novel, Rapunzella, 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 Rapunzella. Once you start adding additional <laughs> vowels, syllables. I know I get talk. like, uh, or don't touch my hair, which is out a young adult novel, and one of the co-hosts of Comfort Creatures. Yes, look at Gabe has Smashed to give me the it, nod babe. that I did not look it up. Ten years in, and I just don't even care about professionalism anymore. <laughs> Welcome, Ella. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. What a I'm, treat. It is a treat. I'm going to, even though you were just here, you never know. Things can change fast. Mm-hmm. Who, who lives in your house? Same still. people. <laughs> still, the, still the cat. Still my boyfriend. That is, that is who lives yes. in my house. Um, I, I, well, actually, it's actually so funny that you ask this. I think I may have a ghost. Oh! You yeah. win. I love a ghost. Okay. I how think long I may have, have a ghost. Been, how long have you been in this home? And is the ghost now just showing up? Yeah. So we've been here for four years. Okay. And my boyfriend is away at the moment. He's in oh. Ireland for a few days because it's his mum's birthday. Nice. Another Capricorn. Yes. And last night I was up late writing and the cat started acting really weird she just kept looking at the ceiling and running oh, around yeah. and yeah, meowing at the ceiling. And I was like, is it that you can see your reflection in like the light bulb? So I picked her up to see if it was that. No, she was like swiping in another direction. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe yes. there's something here. Maybe there's mice in the ceiling. I don't know. I come from a, a family yeah. of big ghost people though. Like we we're do all very too. much. Yeah. We do so I do too. I, yes. So I text my aunt, who's probably yeah. the most, she has like, yeah, you, there's always an aunt that you text. Yeah. And she is a, she's probably the one that's seen them, has, has, has had the yeah. most reported ghost sightings. Sure. And I was like, Aunt Evie, uh, I, th- I think there's something here. What do I do? And she was like, well, is the cat freaking out or is she just curious? And I was yeah. like, no, she's really calm. She's just curious. And she was like, so it's probably fine. Just like yeah. keep an eye out for anything. 
So I'm still there, I'm writing. And then like an hour later, I go to the bathroom and I come back in the room and I see like a, a kind of like a white, oh. like a white shadow, like a... Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, well, it, that's it, much better than a dark shadow. Yeah, which is oh. what my aunt said, which is exactly what my aunt yeah. said. She you said the exact same thing. You want a dark shadow she in your house. She said the exact same thing. <laughs> that is so funny. So yeah, I, I saw a white shadow. So I called my aunt. I was like, yeah. oh my God, I just saw something. She said, what does it look like? And I was like, it was like a white shadow. She was like, well, it's white and it's soft. It's not a dark shadow, so it's probably fine. Yeah. And it was fine. And like the cat kind of went up to the spot where it had been, sniffed around. But she was very chill. Well, it's very impressive that you saw it. Like after, like that. And again, I also love the description white shadow because like yeah. the ghost that I've seen I that is what it was it was much more I mean though it was like right next to me but that is such a better than like light aura with a shape whatever the shadow yeah. is really because it, it isn't it was it's not it wasn't like a bright light it was no, like it was textured shadow. it was a white yeah. shadow yeah so yeah uh, yeah so I think there's a ghost but so far seems friendly could um, just be passing through. Are you in an apartment, pa- a house? What are you guys I'm in? in? A, I'm, in a, I'm in a flat, yeah, an apartment. Yeah. So Anybody could just be died pass- recently? So my best friend's grandmother died yeah. about a couple of weeks ago. And she did, and I when I told her this this morning, she was like, you know, a few of my like friends and family have mentioned stuff like this happening the last couple of weeks. We think she's just checking in on everyone. Yeah. So, and I never met her. And she, we always said like, oh, I really want to meet you. So I was like, like maybe she just came to see, to, to meet me finally. Well, is your friend, does your friend come over often? All the time, yeah. Well, see, the so they're just tracking where, if where that their is the case, yeah. where their loved ones go and like That's any I, think. I love it. That's what I'm going with too. <laughs> Ghost. There we Good go. Sh- <laughs> yes! Thank you. Oh, God. I know we should have an like, a podcast that's like practical advice. Practical conversations about ghosts. <laughs> yeah. You know? Anyway, Gabe's like, yes, I know. Poor yeah. Gabe listens to me like every other week be like, we need a podcast that's this weird idea that like really only works for five episodes. And then after that, maybe out. Maybe that's the next thing. Maybe the next thing is just like Biz talks about everything. And it's like five episodes on this and five episodes on this and five episodes on this. It's great. Just ghosts. I just want to talk about just ghosts. Just ghosts. And cryptids. Anyway. Okay. Ella, you're back. And yes. the reason I was so excited to have you back, because you have written a young adult book. I have, yes. And have. it is a spin on Rapunzel. Yes. Which I am so surprised we have not had I know. a spin on not only Rapunzel, which is all about hair, but yeah. not that not that the book was ever focused on her hair and what that could symbolize and mean, yeah. right? Like the <laughs> trap, right? Yeah. Like it's another way. But totally. the relationship between like African-American women and their hair, in particular yeah. women, I'm just saying. I'm yeah, sure yeah. everybody has hair. But I'm like, if there's one thing that, you know, I am keenly aware of and try to be aware of it's just like those comments and those discussions when they started really coming to the forefront like in social media discussions and in conversations and especially we focus a lot on kids books sometimes here on the show and as everybody who's listened long time to one bad mother knows the real dumb awakening of and I wouldn't have ever thought about it because I don't read parenting books until I started mm. doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I still, mm-hmm. but like uh, <laughs> the lack of voices by people of color in just yeah. parenting books where yeah. you're like, oh, you, you, you aren't parents, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. as a result, when I see a book like this, I'm like, bring it. Mm-hmm. I want to hear it. I want to know about <laughs> it. I want, tell me, tell us, don't just tell me, tell us. <laughs> What led to writing the book and like just a general idea of the like the book concept of like what you yeah. were going for? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, as you said, the the relationship, first of all, hair in itself, I just yeah. find really fascinating across cultures. Yeah. Yes. Everyone, there's always a kind of um, cultural interrogation that goes on with, with yeah. hair, regardless of kind of who you are, or where you're from. And I think that as women, our hair always symbolizes like femininity and, and, and beauty and things like that, or it's supposed to. Growing up as a, as an Afro-Caribbean kid, 
and looking at the world around me, looking at what was in the mainstream, particularly as a little kid looking at like Disney and fairy tales, just every, there was just yeah. like zero representation. There's zero. Like zero representation. And when there was representation, it tended to be quite negative. A lot of the language around black hair has, has historically been very negative, very derogatory language. And so like I have memories of being a kid and running around with like a towel on my head, wishing I had like long straight golden hair like Rapunzel. And even as women of color and particularly black women started to become uh, more of a feature of like mainstream media, so models and actors and things, there was still a a real pressure on them to like chemically straighten their hair. Straighten their hair. And things like that. And so what I really wanted to do was write the story that I, I wish I'd, had as a as a teenager and, and as a kid and even and like when I when I started writing it I, I was uh, in university and trying to figure out what I was going to do my dissertation on I don't know if you guys have dissertations yeah in yeah, yeah yeah you do cool. essentially so yeah yeah so I was trying to work out what I was doing my dissertation on and had a conversation with my younger cousins about what a princess is and like what a princess looks like and even they being raised by black women were insistent that a princess was like a, a, a thin white blonde girl. Um, and that <laughs> anything right. that deviated, yeah, anything that, that deviated. Nothing deviates no, from nothing, that. Nothing, nothing uh-uh. at all. And so it was really interesting having this, and I think at the time they they could, they, they're 12 now, so they would have been six at the time. So it was just interesting because they obviously weren't conscious of, and of these still things. way past the year 2000, everybody. It, way, <laughs> this was, we're talking to, we're talking like 2004, no, 2017. We're having this Disney conversation. Disney put a movie out. With a black person with in it. With a black person in it. And then that, that black person. playing an instrument. No, and then and then she spent two thirds of the movie as a frog. So yeah. I just like you know, it would just be really nice if she if I could just see like a human black yeah. girl for longer than like ten minutes on 10 screen. Ten minutes, yeah, that'd okay. be lovely. Yeah, so sure. That that it frustrated me, and Rapunzel in particular, understandably, yeah, yes. and Rapunzel in particular was the story I returned to because of this relationship with her and and the way that black women are often made to feel like their hair is wrong, isn't beautiful, should be tamed, etc. And well, I think can huge... I can I add like just a sure. not that I but I mean there is the framing that it is a mystery. Yeah. It's it's something that I mean historically, you know, like that white people should have the opportunity to touch yeah. and explore. Totally. And like, it's clearly so different. Can yeah, I touch yeah, yeah. it? Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's totally like, not only is it, we got to control it, we got, but like, I, I do think. Yeah, it's dehumanizing. Dehumanizing. It's, it's, it's totally yeah. dehumanizing. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. So I think that was, and also it just, it's, it, you know, the conversation about hair is naturally at the center of, of the book because it's right. about Rapunzel, Rapunzel and oh, don't touch my hair. But <laughs> it is also a, a, a more, I wanted to really engage with like, and it's the thing that I keep coming back to in a lot of my writing, like what beauty is and what mm-hmm. beauty means and like who gets to define what it what it means to be beautiful and who gets to set the standard of what beauty is. And it is just overwhelmingly like old white men in boardrooms yeah. who who stand to make money off telling women, all women, that there is something wrong with them, that they are, you know, too fat or too dark or their hair is too curly or too old or whatever and and then you know with that comes the like use this use this chemical thing to straighten yeah. your hair use this cream to de-ageify yourself like etc so that was sort of the idea that I started with and the frustration that I started with and then I kind of looked at my own life and like experiences as a young black girl and I grew up in South London but I got a scholarship to a, a private school and so I often felt this mm. sort of like real juxtaposition of identities because I, I felt like I, I I loved school in, in lots of ways and like loved, I really, I'm, I've always been like nerdy and bookish and, <laughs> you know, the educational opportunity of going to a school like that, like I, I cannot, I, I can't diminish it. It was amazing. Right. I, I got to learn so much and I loved I loved that and I loved being in a place where that was such a priority. But at the same time, there were just things that were beyond me and there were things that I like didn't understand or had never experienced. Yeah. Whether that's like wealth, 
or class yeah. or also just like again this thing of growing up surrounded by people who represent a standard and represent a norm when you yourself don't fit into that norm so mm-hmm. having friends that were like thin and white and rich and blonde and then always comparing myself to them because of proximity but then also being like this is this is a doomed game like i'm yeah, only it's a ever doomed gonna, game but it's natural and it's like i'm only gonna come off feeling shit aren't i because well right well you also know, hello teens you know and, i mean and on top of that teens right yeah, on top completely. of that developmentally you can't escape it not to diminish the experience but to like add like absolutely. your bar is already absolutely at teen, right totally. Which sucks. and now you got <laughs> Because totally. because when your bar is set at teen, conformity yeah. is like yeah. the highest priority, right? Like all you right. want to do is fit in. All you want to do is be just like everyone else. Yeah. And then I felt like I was just in this environment where I was like nobody else. And yeah. just felt like I, 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 yeah, I just, I often felt quite like isolated and lonely. And so what I wanted to do, and I, but I think that's like a universal experience. You know, I, sure. that isn't um, unique to me. I think all teenagers go through a period where you just feel like an alien. <laughs> like you you feel right. so other always. And I think that is heightened by being of a marginalized identity, whether that's because you're a person of color or whether it's because you're queer or there are just right. so there are just so many experiences. Yeah, there But so- it's hard when outside of that the framework are Fairy tales, books, TV shows, not showing the representation. So you don't even give kids on any, anywhere in that story, a chance to think of the world in a different way. Right? Like, like, I've only seen white people on television all day. So like, for sure. What's wrong? Yeah. And then that becomes... It becomes the norm. It becomes the right. standard. It it starts to feel like anything that isn't this like yeah. this white I, this this sort of white straight identity yeah. feels like it's in some way deviant. And I think that's something that I really wanted to like engage with. So yeah, and and yeah, just being a teenager is just so shit. Oh, like it's just hate it. it fucking sucks. Like oh yeah, I got one I didn't in the even house. have it. Yeah. yeah, I oh god bless. Like and they're better than they have yeah. to be. But I'm like. We had one of those like, I love you, good night. And then there's yeah. like the dead the silence. silence. And yeah, I was like this. Sure. Yeah, right. That's yeah. gonna there's gonna be more of that, so I might as well just ignore that yeah, and move just on. Angry at everything all the time. <laughs> everything. Like everything is so shit. Like <laughs> and, so I, and shit. I didn't even in the grand scheme of things that teenagers have to go through, I really didn't have it that bad. Yeah. And I but you just feel yeah, it doesn't miserable matter. Doesn't matter. It's completely out of your control. It's completely out of your control. You're so hormonal. You're going through all of these weird like life changes. Yeah. And then also at the same time, like there's something just about being a teenager, the sort of this the small T trauma of growing up and being yeah. told that like things don't last forever, your world yeah. is gonna change, all of the things that you've come to rely on aren't going to last. You start to realize that your parents are human yeah. and <laughs> fallible and, and possibly weird and awful and yeah. Yeah, no, yeah so it's it's just it's such a stressful time yeah. anyway and then put on top of that being a woman put on top of that being yeah. back yeah i just i just look back at those years and kind of wanted to write a book to be like i know it's really shit but it will be okay kind of <laughs> kind of thing and so then within that like that was kind of the the thinking behind the sort of fantasy element, this idea, there is so much, I, I feel like there is so much sort of like magic in the mundane things in the world around us. And so I was kind of like, what if I made, what if I actually made the mundane things magic? So yeah. the protagonist of the story goes to the hairdresser. And that was something that I really, I'm really interested in like sacred spaces and yeah. what what spaces are sacred to us in our as someone that isn't religious, like what is, yeah. what, where do I go to church? Like where's what, your church, what, right? Where's my church? And I think that the two spaces for me growing up that were kind of like church were the, the hairdressers and the library. And like, those yeah. are the two things that I look at in my book writing a lot. And so this one really focuses on the hairdresser on the salon and like the relationship that you have as a young black girl with your hairdresser who has the ability to like lift you up and make yeah. you feel so powerful and make you feel so beautiful, but also has to kind of 
really like create a space for you to feel like you can transform and then also mm. allow you to interrogate why you're transforming and you know the decisions that yeah. we make when we're teenagers about like who we want to you kind of try on yeah you're versions trying to of yourself on. Yeah. yeah and so like I feel like this the salon is such an interesting space to look at that because it's where a lot of that transformation happens yeah and so the protagonist visits her her hairdresser who's a really big part of her life. She kind of is like a family friend, like a kind of second parent. And, you know, she's like that kind of perennial aunt figure that everyone kind of has, particularly if you're an ethnic minority, like everyone is, every everyone is your auntie. And, auntie, yeah. Yeah, I really wanted <laughs> yeah. to look at, look at the auntie figure in that sense. And, but her hairdresser is this magical figure from a faraway land who uses a magic potion on her hair that allows the protagonist to visit this other world in her dreams and in doing so allows her to become empowered to grow up to face fear to face rejection to fall in love and I really wanted the sort of magic and the reality to mirror each other in in that sense this idea that like yeah the the things if we looked at like every period of like growth and transformation in our lives and instead of seeing it as this like run of the mill like mundane thing we saw it as this like m- this this opportunity for power and this opportunity for like magical transformation like what would that world look like and what would that story look like so in the fantasy world the witches are the good guys because I was also sick of that. I was I know, like, sick of being so a witch. sick of I the know, witches being ugh. villains. Like, I know. fuck that. Also, like, yes. witches are amazing. Like, that's so cool. These, like, yeah. powerful, magical yeah. women who are smart and can do that's spells right. and shit. That's right. The only reason they're, like, hexing priests are, duh. <laughs> like, duh. Like, duh. Yeah. So, thank you. So, the witch is the good guys. And my villain is King, is Prince Charming. Because again, royalty, I just have an Mm -hmm. issue with royalty. I have an issue with monarchy. I have an issue with elitist institutions who attained wealth through colonization. You know? Yeah, sure. Being from London, I can't imagine. But the, like, so strange. So weird. Such a shocker. Well, but also there is something about the fairy tale motif of like Mm. Prince Charming. Mm. And again, I think about hair and I think about the idea of consent like yeah princes were always freak like Raiden always comes in and is like are you aware that like Snow White was like 13 yeah and, and like Prince, Prince Charming's like, like 36 yeah, I was yeah, like yeah weird. gross it's not good it's not it's but not the, good. like I get to kiss you I get when to, you're asleep like, when you when are you're unconscious when you are unconscious, unconscious. and it's in so many welcome. there's a yeah. part in the story where my yes. character falls into an enchanted sleep and it's sort of suggested that the romantic hero should kiss her and he's yeah. like ew I'm not gonna yeah. kiss her when she's exactly. unconscious that's so weird yeah. it's like it is weird it is it really is weird. weird it is a weird she thing she can't that's kiss right. you back it's bizarre it's bizarre <laughs> that's right. so I love that you made them the villain in this yeah. because it also speaks to that same narrative that we have fed boys and men that like it's somehow within your right somehow yeah. it's within your domain yeah. to fix these problems totally. and to yeah the savior uh, that they like, want it right totally. that the women want it because they need it to For fix sure. them whatever and yeah, so like the, the the happy ever after in fairy tales is always royalty yeah. like it's all that is yeah, always the thing yeah. that the the narrative aspires to royalty yes. so the right. the happy ending is actually became a princess yeah and yeah i just there's just there are serious flaws in in that aren't there like <laughs> number one every time i look at these stories particularly yeah your kind of classic canonical fairy tales yeah i think i would be so much happier in the yeah. woods baking oh, yeah. my pies hanging out with my bird friends yeah. than forced into this like horribly constrictive yeah. misogynistic life that is monarchy yeah bizarre so strange i agree and so it always just really troubles me that like that is the thing that we teach young kids particularly young girls to aspire to to being rescued by a man who is powerful because he's inherited wealth like i just yeah i I just i I take issue with it so much (laughs) i just love you so much all right i'm gonna shift 
I'm at a shift because obviously we can talk about the patriarchy and the monarchy uh, forever for the and rest ever and of ever. The day. <laughs> I want to talk about sort of the mechanics of the book, the style. Yeah. You chose to write this. It, it is a combination of prose and poetry. And yeah. like Raiden was just their class, the seventh, eighth grade English class. They just, they have like these series of reading. And this was, this year it's, the focus is on American literature. And so they just got through reading Brown Girl Dreaming by Jacqueline Woodson. And it is also prose and poet. I mean, yeah. Yeah, verse and prose. Verse yeah. and prose. And yeah. I, Raiden was just like over the moon about it like mm. loved it so oh, good <laughs> tell me oh your this book is going your book is going right in their hands i'm so excited as soon as <laughs> i am you. done it's going right to the school you know what i say everybody get a copy for your school for your library <laughs> and for yourself okay so tell me about the mm. choice to write in that yeah. in that way it's so funny so i i got into even I wrote poetry before I wrote prose. Like that was always my way into writing. I used to love writing poetry. It was always a thing I'd kind of done just for myself. And then when I went to university, there was like a spoken word, like a local spoken word poetry competition. And my boyfriend entered and he came second. And I was like, I'm going to enter next year. I'm, I'm better gonna than win. you. And so I did. And I did win. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. Because I'm, I'm competitive and petty. <laughs> so poetry, poetry was where I really, it was where I started. Yeah. And so when I was initially writing this story and coming up with this idea and looking at fairy tales, what I wanted to do was use poetry because I think it's such an amazing form for exploring. It, it, there's something so freeing about writing in poetry. You can really lean into metaphor and imagery and stuff that is like non-realistic and non-naturalistic to really conjure up a sense of like place and feeling that you often can't with prose. I just think the form really lends itself to that. And then on top of that, what I wanted was to use poetry to combine the sort of, all the poetic conventions of fairy tales, the once upon a time, the happily yeah. ever after, um, all of those kind of repeated phrases that we're really used to. And most fairy tales, if you look at the really like original ones, the Hans Christian Andersons, the yeah. Charles Perrault's, have a real lyrical kind of poetic flow to them. So I wanted to draw on that and then also draw on the kind of oral storytelling tradition of Caribbean people, of West African people, of indigenous American people. Yeah. Because at the heart of my story and one of the questions at the heart of my story is this, is this question of like being from somewhere but not being from somewhere and this question mm. of being like a member of a, of, a, of a diaspora. So what is it that connects you to home what is it that connects you to a place that like you've never been and you were never born but when, but people will ask you where you're really from and I'll say <laughs> I'm from South London and they're like no but where are you really from and I'm where like, are you I'm re really from I'm, I'm really from, really South, from London. South London yeah um, but <laughs> still but still but still wanting to honor that connectedness to yeah. the Caribbean and to the parts of the world that my family are originally from my grandparents and their parents so and for me, what has always connected me to the Caribbean, my family are from Jamaica and our history that we've kind of done research yeah. into goes back to West Africa, mostly Ghana, parts of Nigeria. And then there's also some some Taino and some Arawak indigenous American in there as well. So, and the thing that has always connected me to those things is is the art of storytelling. This very like, the way that stories get passed down in this very rhythmic, poetic way and how how the history of that has then bled into modern poetry, modern storytelling, modern rap, modern hip hop. So that was why it, for me, it was like, how, how can I really draw on this, this, this sort of voice of the diaspora, the, the voice of the sort of third generation kid who is from nowhere, but everywhere, but everywhere. and relate that to the fairy tale convention. And, and that was sort of the, the result of it. And yeah, I, I love poetry. I just, I love it. Like, I, I think it's the coolest thing. I'm always in awe of poets. So, yeah. And it's, it has a wonderful impact. You know what I mean? Like, mm. it, it, yeah. it lends itself to the storytelling, right? Yeah. And, and like, yeah, yeah no, I, 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 you're right. I mean, fairy tales 
have a rhythmic sense to them mm-hmm. and a repetition that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that yeah. maybe doesn't come through in poetry, uh, but in <laughs> well, message. I think, yeah, I think in poetry, some like you can use repetition to your advantage. You, you yeah, can kind of, you can flip it on your head on its head and make it effective. You know, as opposed to it being boring or conventional. Well, all right. Last question: mm. How did you? How do you? feel now that you have put this out in the world oh it's weird (laughs) yeah it is no it is always weird but like it's out in the world i know it is it's a it's really weird such a good question how do i feel i really go back and reading is so strange because yeah the shelf life of a book is so long which is great and i think that the initial feeling when i like had the launch and had the initial like kind of spark of interest around it that was really fun yeah and then you've just got this weird limbo period where you 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 kind of know people are reading it but you've got absolutely no sense of like who or how many or what the feeling is and I I I make a point of not looking at like sales figures. Good. I just yeah, I find it. I, I I'm like that. Don't even read only, comments either. I don't read I comments. Mean, like, I don't re- I don't read reviews. Yeah, I don't look at any of it. You can't put things out in the world and then no. go do that. Also, because I, I'm I'm writing my next my next Good. book, having Good. all of that stuff in my head while yeah. writing would just be so bad for me. So I'm really just keeping a distance from it. It's bad for you no matter what. I think I mean, I, even if yeah. every single one is like, it's the greatest thing ever. It's still bad for you. It just takes like the one that slips in between totally. the good ones to be like, because we, we don't claim to you know, the good even, stuff. Even good stuff sometimes is unhelpful. Like not unhelpful, yeah. obviously it's lovely when people tell you they love your work. Yeah. But then you're like, oh shit, how do I replicate Nothing that? Nothing and, you, and you can't. Right. You can't. And that's not the point of being a creative. You're not meant to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're meant to grow. So it's really strange having it out in the world. I don't know if it will ever kind of like sink in really. Like I just think yeah. it's going to be one of those. I'm just, I just keep working on the next project basically. And then after that I work yeah. on the next project. And because if I sit and think about it for too long, I just, oh. I, you just freak out, don't you? And yeah, the initial the initial launch was lovely, yeah. but more for like my family and my friends, yeah. like for like my mom and my grandma yeah. and stuff, like have like being able to hold give them a copy of my book. That yeah. was like maybe the best. Nothing will top being able right. to give my mom a copy of my first book. I don't think anything will ever feel better than no. that. Like we're really close. She had me very young. Lots of people told her she was crazy to have a kid at 20. And so, them being able to be like, <laughs> they were hey, fucking mom. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> it's just like, nothing, that is like, that's the moment. And everything after that is kind of secondary and not that relevant, basically, you know. So, mothers, man, you guys, uh, you, yeah. guys you guys so, really just <laughs> we create gotta, us we, and then raise wow, us. Wow, we know? really have the power to fuck it up or uh do really great and every day it's still out there it's on the fence i think you do both i think like that's you you do both oh yeah the thing that my mom was always like my mom was always like i'm definitely gonna fuck it up at times yeah but if i teach you how to deal with With the fuck ups then i've done my job and actually yeah exactly (laughs) i I 100 percent agree (laughs) it's like it's again Again, we're going to go on forever about the fairy tale notion of perfect mothering. Yeah. And, right? Like, and oh my God, how... we could talk about mothers in fairy tales for Ugh. so long. And actually, that's also something that was a big deal in my book, Motherhood. Yeah. There aren't really any dads in my book. No offense to dads. But yeah. like, the, I, was, I was writing a book about motherhood and that was, that was what yeah. I wanted to talk about. But um, mothers get such a rough deal. They either die or are evil. Oh. Like yeah, they either, they, they're evil. either dead... Or yep. they're like the villains who are jealous yeah. of their beautiful daughters. Their daughters, always, oh. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, I don't, I don't ever weird. have to worry about that because I am <laughs> so much better than my children. <laughs> because I am literally way older than them. Yeah. That is the only reason. Oh my gosh, Ella, thank you so much for coming oh back on of right course. away thank you so and, much for having me yeah and again like i said you want to go everybody we're going to link you up to where you can get a copy of a book though everybody knows where to get books but what you need to be reminded is you want to get three like i said <laughs> you got to get one for you 
One for your library and one for your school library. And congratulations on your first book. Thank you. Congratulations on, you know, writing. Like, I I just am, congratulations is the wrong word. I just love all the things you were exploring in this. Thank you. And I appreciate you for doing it. Thank you so much, Biz. Yeah, absolutely. And we should, everybody... Eventually, Max Fun Drive will come around again. Yes. And I think for sure. Well, you have to come on our Ella podcast. and I are going to talk about ghosts. Obviously. Oh, I'm going to talk yes. about ghosts with all the hosts. Maybe that's Absolutely. the idea. Maybe that's the thing. Ghosts with all the Just hosts. Just for that little special <laughs> ghost with the hosts. I love anyway, it. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I, lo- I absolutely love talking to you again. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. This week on Bullseye, Tom Hanks, as you've never heard him before, mad. You moron. Thank you for the use of the turn signal. Way to use your blinker, idiot. That's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius, fail time, everybody. Genius me, me. Wow. Oh my God. Oh my God. I saw what you did. Oh my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh my God, that's fucking genius. Oh, I will tell you the genius. I am recording this on Friday the 13th, and it's my birthday. It's my birthday. And that's the, the, geni- <laughs> the genius of my birthday this year is that. I asked for all the things that I really wanted and would make me happy from not just organizing drawers that are just garbage or Tupperware, because that's what I tend to use for my art supplies, and the, but like beautiful metal, like bright pink and yellow with little filing drawers. I mean, they are gorgeous. They're gorgeous. I asked for more bedding things to complete my new bedding for the year because bedding is very important to me because I don't know I'm a 49 year old woman (laughs) I have clearly raised children that know me well Ellis got me an amazing puzzle and Raiden bought me a sweater it is an oversized I'm wearing it now it is an oversized sweater with mushrooms I'm so thoughtful anyway so I have no regrets on this birthday when it comes to gifts. (laughs) Hey, One Bad Mother. This is a genius. And actually, it's another parent's genius. And I'm very proud of her. (laughs) This morning, my son's best friend's mom, who we're just starting to get to know, our sons are seven, sent me a message at 730 and said, oh, my gosh, can you pick up my son? after school and take him home with you and can you take him to piano lessons which happens to be our next door neighbor i thought my husband was going to do it and he thought i was going to do it and we each have other responsibilities can can you take him home with you and i said absolutely we can pick him up and take him home with us we'll walk him next door to piano no problem you'll pick him up from piano and i was just like good job other parents <laughs> other other kids parent for asking for help and I'm proud of myself for being somebody she trusts to pick up her kid and our kids are excited they get to have more time together after school so it's like an all-around genius so good job asking for help yes we got this we're doing a good job yeah let's listen to that little word we now put it together we got this that's right everybody we are a we that 
is genius. That is hard to do. So A, your friend is doing an amazing job and sounds like somebody who you can become good friends with, even if it just becomes good parent friends in which you know that you are there to support each other when you need it. Asking is hard, especially when they're young. And so good job. And good job, I agree, good job being the type of person who somebody feels they can ask. You have put that energy out in the world and you said yes right away. That makes a difference. I remember the first time I ever asked another parent to pick my kids up or to grab one. I mean, like last minute. I mean, now I'm doing it in car line where I'm like, I know you are probably in car line. Can you take my child home? And it's totally normal. And they always say yes when they can. And I always say yes when I can. And it's, yeah, good job. Sometimes the village is like a bus. You're just picking kids up all day long. And that's enough. Good job. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Okay. I, look, I have a lot going on. Anybody who's been listening recently knows. And also, I should be fine not being able to maintain our living situation. (laughs) The cleanliness of it. In general, because I have kids. And I have other things that I want to do in life. But you add that with a great deal of sort of stress and grief and all those things. And the house is like uh, constantly on a verge of turning into a HGTV docu-series. And I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But what is getting to me is the cats and the cat boxes and the urine smell. And like, I usually we don't have one. It probably means somebody is sick, everybody. I know. Okay. But the cat boxes are in our bedroom. And like, there are just days where I feel so sad that I can't come up with a better solution for the cat boxes. I I don't even keep my clothes in the closet anymore because I know they're absorbing the smell. So that means that they're in piles (laughs) on the floor. Sad. Walk into the house. There's the smell. Look, I get it. There are three cats that live here. There are two children that live here. There are two adults that live here. Things smell. I have like a CIA level nose. Like you could hire me to come and sniff things out. So what others cannot smell, I can smell. And, you know, it just feels like, you know, it just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good and I need to feel good right now. So... Letting it get away from me. Letting it get away. So I'm calling with a fail. I have 15-month-old twin boys, and they were super whiny after picking them up from daycare. And I had a still-cooked dinner, which was breakfast for dinner, making eggs and waffles and banana. And so I thought... Let's sit in the kitchen together in your high chairs, and I will cook in front of you so you can see how it works. So I'm doing the eggs, and they're super interested. And then I go and get the waffles out of the freezer. And instead of putting them directly into their mouth, they go into the toaster and full-on meltdown. (laughs) I just complete meltdown until they have the waffles. And now they're only eating the waffles and not the eggs. That is all. They're doing a good job. Yeah. Bye. You are also doing a horrible job. <laughs> is this the fail segment? Yes. How dare you reveal to your children where 90% of our waffles come from, the freezer, and that they don't magically just appear in front of them with no preparation. (laughs) Oh, sorry. That was such a good idea to bring them in, to keep an eye on them while you were cooking. It really was a good idea. But again, you failed at maintaining waffle mystery. Tisk, tisk. 
everybody. It's time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi, Biz. Um, This is a rant. I'm really struggling with January already after a couple of weeks. I have like my, an umpteenth cold. I don't know how many I've had since September when my child started kindergarten. So all the January momentum has just kind of gone down the drain because we're just (laughs) sick all the time. I found out a couple days ago that one of my favorite librarians died suddenly, oh. and she was close to my age. And uh, since I'm not a close friend, it's really hard to know how to mourn her. She did a story time when my child was one, and she was such a great storyteller, and Going to her event every week was a really bright spot in a very challenging year. And uh, and I'm really sad that she's gone, and I don't know why. <laughs> um, and I guess if there'll be a memorial service, I'd love to go. Um, but again, I'm not a friend. I'm an acquaintance. So it's hard to figure out, you know, where to put this feeling. So I'm glad that you're here. And uh, also yesterday, my son got attacked at school by another kid, and the assistant principal called me, and uh, he's already being bullied. <laughs> it's only been, what, four months since he started school, and uh, he seems to be fine, but my husband and I are not quite so fine. I just want to be sure that he's safe. It sounds like the school is doing what they can, but it's just a lot right now. January is already feeling like a lot. And uh, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to have a place to put this. So thank you for being there. And you're doing a great job. Bye. You are doing a good job. And wait to use a tool, put it there, bring it all, put it all there, load it all in. Oh, man, January is hard, you know? I mean, just weather and emotional-wise, you know, no one's like, yay, January really makes me feel spiritually uplifted. No, it's cold, we're tired, we just got through holidays and breaks and expectations and pressures. So that's like the carpet in our January house of trying to not fail at everything or feel like we're failing at everything. Um, One, I want to talk about your friend, the librarian. I completely understand the impact of that relationship. Because I have those relationships. We all have those relationships. And anyone who's essentially raising their kids at libraries, you know, and spending a majority of their time there, especially with their little kids, that is a relationship that you might not even fully grasp how deep below the surface it goes. I understand it might feel weird to go to a service, but if you are looking for an act or an action, you know, I, I, I know we're not an advice show, but the first thing that came to mind was, is there a special book you could donate to the library in honor of her? Is there something the library needs, right? Is there just a beautiful note you can write for the rest of the librarians, right, about the impact that this librarian had on you. And that way they can pass that on to the family or they can just leave it there for others to see. Go just sit in the library if that's what you need to do. Grief is weird. 
and hard. And I don't think it can be limited or that there's a special like grief level related to how well we knew somebody or not that we should follow. You know, I'm really sorry for your loss and for that library's loss and for the her family's loss. And I am glad to know that this person had such a deep impact on you. Also, no one likes when their child gets attacked, hurt, even side-eyed at school. Okay? No one likes that. You are well within your rights to fucking hate it and to dwell on it and to overthink it and to underthink it and to all of those things. Because we, how many times have we talked about our school baggage and how much that surprise comes out when our kids enter the world of school? And it very well may be that your child isn't as impacted as you are. I mean, that was a hard, I'm not saying they aren't. I'm just saying like, I remember when Raiden started dealing with jerks that I could not understand how they could just let things roll off of them and that they had not already started a, you know, a hate list or a, I'm going to spit in your tea list, right? Like, I just like, why? I couldn't understand it. Like, they're, They would get in fights with friends and then the very next day be friends again. And like, it took me a while to understand that their brain, where they were developmentally, and their pretty much clean slate of baggage caused them to handle this differently than I would. And it was really more on me to work through it. That didn't mean that eventually we had to like really step in and add guidance when it came to certain friend dynamics and um, non-friend dynamics. And I'm very happy that you feel confident in the job that the school is currently doing. Or you can just be like my mom and be like, you put a book in the crook of your arm and you hit him. And then you go, (laughs) if they hit you, you hit them twice, right? So, like, <laughs> different generations. All of this is to say you are absolutely not alone. And we are all here to help carry what you need to put somewhere. I see you. We all see you. You are doing a remarkable job. All right, everybody, you are doing a remarkable job. This is hard. It doesn't help that nobody gives a shit. You're juggling so many. I wouldn't even say you're juggling because juggling indicates that there's balance. You are throwing a lot of balls in the air, and those balls or hacky sacks or beanbags are constantly coming back down and hitting us on the heads, falling on the floor, landing in the soup. It doesn't matter. There's kids. There's school. If they're in school or if you're in school, there's constantly changing plans. There's work. And honey, that work is all kind of work. Whether that is work out of the home, work in the home, working part-time, working night shifts, working, it's all work. There are relationships, there's your own health, there's the health of your family around you, and you still got to go to the store. You still got to get stuff to feed people who may or may not want to eat whatever you got them. And you got to deal with all that resentment. It is a lot. So I want you to remind yourselves that you are doing a really good job. When everything feels like you've lost control of it, that is actually normal and you are not alone. There are people in your lives willing to help, even if it's just to pick your kids up at school and bring them home for you, okay? And that you're able to offer that to others. Let's 
go out and just do the best we can do, which is sometimes not a lot, and that's okay. You are all amazing, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blue. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blue. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.